Good day. Good day. Who says good? I'm British all of a sudden. Like it just hit me. I'm like, welcome to worship at Chapel Point. God is good. Amen. Uh, I'm Joel, one of the pastors here, and we're in a series right now called Overcome. Everybody say Overcome. We're going to be speaking about that as we walk through this morning and just what God is doing in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. First, I want to dive into a couple of things that God is is doing in our midst that's going to help kind of align our hearts. Uh, If you were here over the last couple of weeks, I know that some of you were not. Uh, Every week we have new people showing up, which we are so grateful for. And we hope you encounter the power of a loving God through his son, Jesus Christ where hope is found, freedom is discovered. Um, But the last couple of weeks, you had Luke Bilberry here on the stage. Luke is one of our executive pastors. So if you don't know, I have three executive pastors who work uh, directly with me and running the ministry here all over the world and just what God is doing. 14 churches now. We think we'll have 25 churches before we know it in the Philippines and other things that are taking place. God is moving. God is working. Family of churches, everything else. Luke is one of those key pieces along with his wife, Catherine Bilberry. They both work here at Chapel Point. Um, and one of the things that's happening is Catherine Bilberry right now actually has been in the hospital for the last two weeks. Uh, she has a T-cell lymphoma. And there's their family, Madeline. And there's little Henry. And you got Wyatt. And you got Noah. Um, amazing, amazing people. You know them well. But she is in a place right now, and it has hit very fast and very rapidly, and we're asking for you to pray for her. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? Amen. And that's what we get to do together, is we get to lift up the name of Jesus, declaring, knowing that our God is friends. Our God's a God of miracles. We don't do the miracles, he does the miracles. And he can do mighty, mighty things. Um, And so we're asking for you to pray. Uh, you're not going to see them around as much right now. We've got to make sure that she's in every situation to, to, to be able to recover. And there's going to be a lot of things happening over the next several weeks, if not months and even more. And so we want to make sure we lift them up in prayer. But it also reminds, and this is their heartbeat, and this is our heartbeat. A lot of people are walking through these things. Anybody ever had a health difficulty or financial difficulty, relational problem, a marital issue, legal issue. We're always going to have people in a broken world. That's why we have creation and we have the fall. We live in a fallen world. There is sin everywhere. It is prevalent. And we live in in a world right now where there's so many people who are hurting But just like those names that you saw on the screen previously, um, and if you can't pronounce them all, it's okay. You can come talk to me. Pastor Peeps is one of them. Um, These pastors in the Philippines, these are amazing uh, people of God, but they are also our brothers and sisters. They consider themselves to be part of our family of churches. Chapel Point. One of them came up to me and he goes, I am Chapel Point. I said, awesome. When are you coming? He's like, I need visa. They don't like me. (laughs) I'm like, it's okay. We're going to help you. And whatever we have to do. And we're brothers and sisters with people all over the world. And with the Bilberries and with you. We get to live this life together, declaring each other as children of God. And so what I want to do before I jump in to Genesis chapter 41, I want to pray for you. 
And so I'm going to ask that you would just lift a hand as we call out to our God in, in each venue, in each site that we could declare his name. God, I come before you now and I lift up Catherine and Luke Bilberry to you. We don't have all the answers. We don't know every solution that is to come, but we know that you're all powerful and that you're a miracle working God. We know that you can do more than we could ever ask. But also I'm already celebrating because every doctor and every nurse has already heard about you in that place. And so we are praying that you would be glorified and we're praying for every person in this room who has a physical illness, who is walking through a marital issue or a relational problem, that every single person would still recognize that difficulty doesn't remove the power of our God. And some are trying to figure out what job to take or if they should move or what career path or some are trying to figure out to get married or not get married and others are trying to figure out how do they walk through this difficult time in their life of knowing uh, there's a problem with a kid or a grandkid. God, may your name be known. Give them your strength and your peace and your energy and your power and your comfort, and your rest, and your assurance, and your grace, and your forgiveness, and your mercy. And so may we, in this moment, have our hearts ready to hear from you, knowing your goodness. Amen. I just prayed it, but trust me, everybody at Butterworth has heard of Jesus now. Isn't that what we get to do? Genesis chapter 41, if you would open up the word of God with me, that'd be great. Genesis chapter 41, even if you pull it out on a screen, I don't care, whatever you have to do. Um, I always preach from a screen. Why? Even reading scripture, because I can enlarge the font to 84. <laughs> even with glasses, sometimes you need a little bit of help. Um, Genesis chapter 41. Now I want to, if you haven't been here for the series, I want to give you a little bit of an update. I want to go back to Genesis 37, give you a quick run through. Why do I do it? Because for something to sit deeply in you, one of the things that we need in life is this thing called repetition. Why do we say we are transformed followers of, right? We know that mature leaders invite what? These are important thing. Every time God speaks, it demands what? A response, right? We know these things and we want to live a life knowing these things, recognizing that we are dependent upon him. And so I want to repeat for you some of the things that have been happening. Genesis chapter 37, this is what's taking place. In Genesis chapter 37, there's a 17-year-old man by the name of Joseph. I say 17-year-old man because at that point they were certainly men. There were men at the age of probably 13 or 14 back then. They worked hard. Now we grow into men somewhere around the age of 55. I'm not there yet. And so here's Joseph who's 17 years old. And Joseph has a dream, more than one, that he's gonna rule over his brothers. And so he goes to his brother and says, one day I'm gonna rule over you, isn't that cool? And they go, no, they already are resentful of the fact that he's the father's favorite. He's given the big multicolored coat and everything else, which means, hey, he's the favorite. It's one thing to know you're the favorite. It's another thing for everybody to see that you're the favorite. And so he's talking about this dream and his brothers don't like it. They end up selling him into slavery. That's all in Genesis chapter 37. Then he's purchased at that point. 
Even though some of them wanted to kill him, he's purchased, uh, he's purchased by Potiphar, or some would say Potiphar, uh, but it's Potiphar. And um, here he is, and he is this, this leader, and he's so impressed by Joseph that he ends up giving him the responsibility to care for his entire house. Well, when Potiphar is away, his wife tries to seduce him. Joseph says, no bueno. Everybody say, no bueno. No bueno. No bueno. That ticks off Potiphar or at least his wife, who makes those advances toward him. And so she's offended and accuses Joseph of doing bad things to her. As a result of that, he's thrown into prison. We know that in prison in Genesis chapter 40, you heard this last week, he interprets the dreams of a couple of people who were working for Pharaoh who got thrown into prison. They did dumb stuff. And so he ends up interpreting those dreams and then he tells this, we're going to call him the cupbearer or the butler, right? Um, he tells this individual, hey, uh, now that you're going back, because we know that one ends up being killed, but he gets restored and goes to work for Pharaoh again as the cupbearer. Um, he tells him, don't forget me because he's in prison. He's literally living in a dungeon at this point. And so there he is. And we find this in Genesis chapter 40. And in, in the very end of Genesis chapter 40, it tells us the very last verse, it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, so, but forgot him. So he wants to be remembered, but he is going to be forgotten. And he ends up, you're going to find in Genesis chapter 41, he's going to be forgotten for two years. Have any of you ever felt forgotten? Right? I remember Luke saying this. Sometimes he forgets to pick up um, his kids from school. And I can attest he frequently does that. Um, I, uh, we typically have a saying. I have, I have four kids. My youngest is Bennett. And even on the Philippines, everybody knew the words that would be spoken the most are, where's Bennett? Uh, where's Bennett? Where's Bennett? He's in customs. Oh, great. Let's go. Like, um, it's just something he just disappears all the time. So we're going to put him on a leash. Um, sometimes we can forget him. Not because we don't love him, but sometimes one of the things we walk through life and we can feel forgotten as well. And then we come to verse one of chapter 41. Will you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Get ready to jump in when I stop. After two whole years. two years, he is forgotten in a dungeon living in prison. Just remember this because some of you feel forgotten. Friends, I'm going to say it over and over and over again today. Just because there is difficulty does not mean that you have been forgotten by an almighty God. Amen. After two whole years... Pharaoh dreamed that he was, he was standing by the Nile and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows. What are the next three words? That's just so weird. And they fed in the reed grass and behold, seven other cows. That's better. Came up out of their cows, attractive and plump. I've never looked at a bunch of cows and go, those are attractive and plump. Never said it. Um, I just think hamburger. Um, so behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke. So he has this dream and then he wakes up. And then he falls asleep and he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain 
plump and good were growing out on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was... And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So here is this chief cupbearer, the chief butler, who fails to remember him. As a result, now here's Joseph and he's living in this dungeon, living in prison for two years and he's trying to figure stuff out and he feels forgotten, and I think sometimes we feel forgotten. I want to remind you once again, I told you I would say it to you multiple times, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. It's one of the problems we have in the world today. When difficulty and hardship comes, we often get resentful toward God and bitter and angry toward God, and we assume that we have been forgotten and that he is no longer the God that we have always said he has promised to be. That is not true. That is not true. We live in a fallen world. We need mature believers. Mature believers recognize that simply because hardship comes, simply because difficulty comes, doesn't mean that God isn't God. That God isn't good. We know that it's in the midst of the heart, it's in the midst of the difficulty that we can often be the greatest witness of who God is. We're going to see that in the life of Joseph and how he lives that manner, that, that, that very thing out in that way. So here he is in prison, forgotten by Pharaoh's cupbearer for full two years. There's difficulty. You know that there's discouragement in that very time. But this is another way I would even think about this is in those two years, because some of you are walking through a bad season. You're trying to get through a marriage or trying to get through school or whatever it is, right? And all, with all my kids, I know that they've processed school very different. Right? I've got girls who are like, oh, school's so bad. I made an A minus. Oh boy. And then I have boys who just, please do not make me go back to that prison. <laughs> right? My kids want to drag everything out in the driveway, tear it apart and figure out how it works and build something greater. Right? And so you've got people who react different. And even with my kids, some of them just want to get through. And then you go all the way to the people who are in a marriage and you feel like you're in prison. You're like, why can't we just both love the Lord and chase after him? Friends, waiting, waiting is a theme in the life of the believer. You're like, well, that's not fair. I don't want to wait. Anybody here want what you want and you want it right now? I feel like I just sang an NSYNC song. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I'm not going to go do it. Because I'll start shaking a hip or something that's weird. Um, and we want what we want, and we want it as soon as we can get it, no matter what. Friends, I, I'm going to keep saying it. You've heard it often. You cannot microwave spiritual depth. You cannot microwave spiritual maturity. That's why transformation is a continual what? It's not a one-time event. We're going to keep growing and keep maturing until the day we go be with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't microwave it, but so many of us go, oh, I'm growing now, and then we press pause on the growing. 
We press pause on it. We're like, oh, I, I go to church more though. Isn't that great? No, no. Now you're going to want to jump into the word of God and you're going to want to be more adamant in your prayer. And you're going to want to tell other people about the saving power of Jesus Christ. Don't stop your spiritual growth. Don't stop your spiritual growth. Waiting is a theme in the life of the believer. And even though sometimes you feel as though you're waiting for God to step back into the picture, God has never left the picture. Sometimes he's waiting for you to mature, to be ready for what he's going to do. Has it ever crossed your mind that maybe you're not prepared? Has it ever crossed your mind that maybe he's preparing those who need to hear from you? Who you are when no one sees you matters to God. And there he is for two years, and I wonder who he is in this time. I think he was faithful, and you're going to see why in just a moment. But I think he's a man who was able to be proud of his faith, not embarrassed by his fear. Another thing that I often tell people and I've told the Billberries recently, at the end of the day, we're going to be proud of your faith, not embarrassed by your fear. So if you're going through a trial right now, let me tell you, get ready to wait and see how God can use it. Our life is not about safety. It's not about how easy we can make it. It's not about how comfortable we can make it. It's about giving God glory. It's about giving God glory. And the reality is, if you don't easily define the difficulty in your life and how hard it is, if you only feel as though you have it good, pretty much every time at the end of the day, you end up giving yourself glory for that which God did. And so here, all of this is starting to come as he's been there for two years. And in this dream, we see Pharaoh, seven cows, Attractive and plump. Seven cows, ugly and thin. The ugly ones came up, ate the seven attractive, plump cows, and he wakes up. He doesn't know what to do with it. Now, repetition also matters because when things happen uh, repetitiously, then all of a sudden it tends to have a greater impact. I think if the dream would have stopped there and he would have woken up and gone on about his day, it would have been one thing, but he goes back to sleep and he has another dream another dream yes another dream he falls asleep a second time seven ears of grain plump and good growing on one stalk behold after them sprouted seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears and pharaoh awoke and behold it was a dream so in the morning of course if you have these types of dreams now the average person if you don't know you have five dreams per night something i've been reading up on this you just don't remember them right? It's like the first rim cycle and second rim cycle and what I mean, it's all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, when you remember them, I, I remember remembering dreams because I wake up, I'm like, honey, guess what? I just dreamed. You're going to rub my feet. And it never happens. Never happens. It's a dream, right? But I remember the dreams that I have because I rarely wake up and remember. Pharaoh's remembering the dreams and then he's going to go back to sleep and remember another dream. And it says that his spirit's troubled. And so he calls in all the magicians. I need to know what's going on. He calls in all the magicians. You're going to see this more than once. He's going to call in the magicians. 
Guess, what, guess how all, all the answers you got? He didn't get any answers from the magicians. And so this also bothers him. He tells him the dreams that there's no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh knew, I think because of the multiple dreams, because he remembered them, he knew that this was important. I think what God was doing in the multiple dreams, and maybe he's doing this in your life, when you see something over and over, God was getting Pharaoh's attention. Maybe God's trying to get your attention about something. And he's doing it. You have multiple people who are coming in going, you know what? I just see this in you. No, that's not true. And then the next person, I just see this. No, that's, why is everybody saying this? Maybe there's something for you to learn. I think God's getting Pharaoh's attention and he's starting to rattle some cages here. And it tells us verse nine and following. It says, then the chief cupbearer, we'll call him the butler, right? Says to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. He knew that he had messed up. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the, in the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. So he was thrown into prison with, two, with another guy. We dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew, this is Joseph, okay? A, he, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. That captain of the guard was who? Potiphar. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted it to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Good for the cupbearer. Then Pharaoh sent, so he hears this. So the cupbearer, who's like, hey, I remember a guy who told me not to forget him. If I would have been Joseph, the first time I would have seen the cup bear, right? Clothesline or something, I don't know, something. Like, come on, man. I told you not to forget me. He's forgotten. Now he comes and he tells Pharaoh, hey, I was supposed to, I remember my offenses today. I forgot this guy I shouldn't have. So the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. So this tells you about where he was. He was living in a dungeon, friends. For two years, there he is stuck. He was 17 when he started having these dreams. His brother sells him to slavery. He's 30 now. For 13 years, he's had a roller coaster of good and bad, mainly bad. And for the last two years, he's been living in a pit, in a dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, because that's what they were required. A lot of times they would have even shaved them completely in order to come before Pharaoh. And so now they're shaving him and cleaning him up so he can come before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Friends, when we feel as though God isn't doing anything, God could be preparing to do more. We're just, we're just so short-sighted today, aren't we? In every aspect of life, I mean, I think about this ministry and the church here. I mean, I've literally mapped out 
a 15, 20 year thing. Like, I know God's going to change it, but I'm like, I just want to be responsible with what God's given us. And then like God steer it wherever he wants to go. I look at the long term, and uh, even that now, if you do a, a, a five-year game plan, people are like, five years? They want like a three-day game plan. We're so short-sighted in how we understand what God could be doing throughout a generation. And yet here for two years, I think Joseph is having to remember that, hey, maybe he doesn't see what God is doing, but God could be preparing to do more. And if you trust God, you trust God to be working even when you don't see it. This includes growing our own character. Maybe God, as I said previously, maybe God is needing to prepare you for what he is desiring. I'm waiting on you. I'm ready. No, you're not. You get angry too quick. Maybe he's needing to spend more time transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Hear me say that. God is faithful, but maybe we need to allow him to prepare us to do what he is really wanting to do with our lives, to give him glory. So we always look at Romans 8, Romans 8, 28 and 29, right? Roman, it was on the screen as the bumper coming into this message today. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God's work in our life is to conform us into the image of Christ. And it takes time. And so now finally he's coming out and we see that God is starting to do something remarkable. Pharaoh's dream was a revelation from God. God got Pharaoh's attention. Is God trying to get your attention? Pharaoh received it. He received the dreams as being God getting his attention. He just didn't understand it. So he called in all the magicians. Some of you, God has gotten your attention, but you're seeking help from the wrong places, from people who don't love God. I just like, there's something going on in my life and I need to get help. And you're asking for help, but from people who don't look at the word of God, who don't really give you counsel according to God's truth. That's a problem. That's what he did. Did it help him? No, didn't help. Did not help whatsoever. Went to the magicians. They can't help. And so he's looking for additional help and he gets it from Joseph. This is what's going to end up happening. Now, before Pharaoh starts to explain the dreams to Joseph, I want you to hear this. Verse 16. Joseph is brought before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, I've had a dream. I've heard it said of you that you can interpret How long was he in the pit, in the dungeon? Two years. Good job. So here he is, two years in the pit, 13 years of having this roller coaster, had a a brief season of, hey, I'll be in charge of Pharaoh's house, but then back into despair, back into difficulty, back into hardship, and he's in this place. He has to be shaved in order to come before Pharaoh, and all of these hard things are taking place, and all of these hard things are happening. And you would think that finally, after he's even told the cupbearer, who's now giving him attention through Pharaoh, you would think, after he told him, don't forget me, don't forget me, that now that he has an opportunity to go before Pharaoh, that he's going to make the most of it. He's going to be like, oh man, this this is my time to shine. 
Look at me. Here I go. This is his first response. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Man, we need more people like that. He's in the pit, in the dungeon, hardship everywhere, difficulty everywhere. And his first, his first response is to make sure all attention is directed toward God. Like even in our career, right? We're just so quick to say, look at what we've done. And that's why I, I, I often mock so many of the athletes who just are like, they, they do everything. They're like, oh, look at me. They score a touchdown. They make a basket, right? I'm like, you made, a, you made a layup. Like you paid millions of dollars to make a layup. Chill out. Because then they're just like, oh, look at me. And they'll get over people. And then all of a sudden they'll point up, like give God attention. Man, you just took all the attention for yourself. Give God attention. I love that we have Joseph here who's all about giving attention to God right away. He didn't say, look at me. He didn't make sure it was about him. He right away, we need more people pointing to God first. That's what he does. Give God glory in every opportunity. We already see it. When given the opportunity to promote self, choose to glorify God, we know this. This is the desire that we should be having in our life. It's exactly what Joseph ends up doing. Pharaoh said to Joseph, and this is verse 17 and following, behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. And he's going to go through it. So I'm going to go quickly because you've already heard the dreams, but you still need to see it. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor, uh, very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. Now, there are a few small details that we see added um, from Pharaoh when he's telling Joseph the dream here versus what we saw previously. Nothing significant, but there's a few other details here. And he says, like nothing I had ever seen in all the land of Egypt. And then thin, uh, thin ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk full and good, seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. I told it to the magicians, there they are again, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And so Joseph said to Pharaoh, so Joseph hasn't said anything to Pharaoh yet, except for it's not in me. God will give you the answer. And now he speaks again. The dreams of Pharaoh are one. They mean the same thing. That's what they mean the same thing. Get ready for this. They mean the same thing. As he starts to speak to Pharaoh, we learn this that God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. That there are going to be seven really good years to come. Seven years of famine afterwards. And guess what? It's coming quick. It's coming fast. 
And he starts to explain this to him. Right? It, it tells us very clearly in verse 28, it is, it is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land, verse 30, but after them there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten by the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown to the land by reason of the famine that will follow for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will bring it about shortly. It's coming fast. Now famines were different back then than they are even today and certainly in our nation. We don't know famine the way that a lot of the world may know famine. How they may know hunger or starvation. These dreams, I, I, uh, let me just do this. Go back and you look at this verse right here. It tells us that it's going to be so severe that they will forget all of the good that was prior. This is important to me. Why is it so important to me? Because as we read this, and this is verse 30, but after them will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. Friends, I don't... I think we really struggle to recognize God's blessings in our life. As soon as something bad happens, we tend to forget all the good that God has done. Hey, you guys are going to have seven really good years and then seven really hard years are coming. And in the hard, they're going to be hard in a way in which you're going to even forget all the good. Right? Often the difficulties of our life cause us to forget all the good that God has done in our life. That's called spiritual immaturity. That's called spiritual immaturity. Well, yeah, but you don't understand how hard it is. I know God gave his son to die for you so that you might have eternal life that all who believe in him may not perish. How is it that all of a sudden you forget that? He never promises easy. He never promises comfort. He says the purpose of your life is to live eternal life with me through my son, Jesus Christ, but to give God glory. That's the purpose of your life. And you can best give God glory by how you live through the difficult and the days of living in the dungeon and the two years of going, don't forget me. So often, maybe you have forgotten the beauty of who God is because days have gotten hard. It's biblically, spiritually immature. And so we have to ask ourselves, do the difficulties of life keep you from remembering all the good that God has done in your life? So he tells them, hey, it's coming shortly. Really, I mean, you're going to have good, seven good years, but seven bad years are coming. You better be ready. Now, therefore, it says, now, therefore, verse 33, therefore, let Pharaoh... 
select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Now, I love this. Go ahead and take this off. I'll come back to that in a second. We don't have another service after this. We'll just keep going. Friends, there's two things in life that you need to understand that they are different. One is called knowledge. Wisdom. Knowledge is different than wisdom. Knowledge is knowing what is there and what's coming. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Knowledge is celebrated way too much. We have, everybody can get knowledge. You have this thing called the internet. The World Wide Web, right? Everybody get their AOL account. Is that still a thing? And look at us. It's going to be amazing. And, um, we celebrate knowledge. Well, this is what I know. Well, knowing what to do with what you know is called wisdom and wisdom comes from God. We need more people of wisdom, not just knowledge. Amen. Amen. And so now he's about to speak in wisdom what he needs to do with the information he just received. Because remember, he's been in the dungeon for two years. The one place, where does he not want to go back? Right? Please don't make me go back. You would think, he's like, hey, this is the interpretation of the dream. And then not wanting to overspeak, he'd be like, okay, cool. Or like, did I get to hang out here for a bit? Like, what's going on? But he doesn't. He then says, and this is what you better do with it. Therefore, let Pharaoh, this is the, the wisdom coming out. Let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one fifth of the produce of the land during the seven plentiful years. Now that's a pretty big tax because they would already have taken roughly that amount as a tax anyway. And so now they're, in essence, he's gonna double the tax very, very quickly. Anybody here just love paying taxes? Raise your hand, All right? My kids recently, one of my kids was like, taxes can't be that much. I said, ha, <laughs> 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 ha. I literally took 10 $1 bills. I said, so here's three. This is the government. Here's two more for all the people who don't want to work. And then I'm left with five. I give at least one of those to God. I should just keep going. I really don't want to, though. I could. I don't know. Do you not recognize we're no longer capitalists? We're socialists? Okay, anyway. All right. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. We should talk about that one day. So now he's speaking wisdom. We need more wisdom than knowledge. And he formulates a plan rather than complaining about circumstance. Now, when you hear this, here's what a lot of people do. Oh, no, there's going to be a whole, like this famine seven years is going to be really bad. And so you start living and the complaining of what's coming rather than actually formulating a plan to do something about it. The majority of people today, I see a lot of people who love to wallow in the hard rather than see God be victorious in the hard. 
And so he said, I want you to do this. Here's gather all the food, all these good years that are coming, store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for good in the cities and let them keep it. And that food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land so that the land may not perish through the famine. Can I tell you right now, his willingness to move from knowledge to wisdom was bold. And that's something we need to recognize. He was bold for God. Even though I'm sure he did not want to go back to a dungeon, he was still going to speak truth regardless. Some of us may have a tendency to go, well, what will they think more than we go, what does God desire? He knew what God desired. He knew what God was wanting. And so he spoke boldly to Pharaoh about this very thing. Now, here's what's remarkable is in Genesis 41, 41. We'll get to this next week. But here's Joseph, and he told Pharaoh, you need to appoint someone to be in charge. So Pharaoh looked at him and said, you seem to be smart. You're in charge. In 24 hours, he went from living in a dungeon to being the prime minister of Egypt. That's when you go, Wow. Right? That's what God can accomplish. That's what God can do. I don't care what's happening in your life. If you just look closely enough, you will see the activity of God in the background. That's why you need to hear these words again. You are not forgotten. Everybody say, I'm not forgotten. Everybody say, God is faithful. Everybody say, I will give God glory. Everybody say, I'll be bold for God. That's what we, these are some of the lessons we start learning from Joseph. It is remarkable to see. But we know what happens. A lot of us end up and we come over here and we feel like we're sitting in a corner somewhere and we're living in a dungeon and we're living in a pit and we're just, we start to wallow in that misery and we stop recognizing God's working. He's working in our life. He's transforming us. He's working in somebody else's life so that finally at the end of the day, we can actually stand up. We can be proud of our faith while we're in the dungeon and we can watch God work so that we can give him glory. God can redeem your marriage. And friends, even in the midst of the hardest of days, we have an opportunity to speak about the power of Jesus. You are not forgotten. Praise be to God. Lord, I come before you and I give you thanks that we are not forgotten, that in every opportunity we can speak of your goodness, we can speak of your glory, we can be bold on your behalf, we can make sure that we are, we're the first people to attest that our God is faithful and that is, our God is good. May we be the same in the dungeon as we are before any leader that is put in front of us. May we be more concerned about what your will is than what others may think. And may we live in your promises. And all the people said, amen.